Okay. Right, here we go. The Lonely Painter Podcast. This is Tyler Murphy. Uh, you're listening to the Lonely Painter Podcast, formerly known as the Montana Gallery Podcast. Just checking in. I've, uh, I'm kind of excited to share with you guys uh, some things that I'm learning today. Things that I've learned, I've been learning for a while. And uh, today I will try to to articulate some of those, see if they make any sense. I'm just sitting here at my house. It's a nice kind of gray <coughs> Sunday here in Billings. I guess it's tomorrow, Christmas Eve. I don't know. I'll have to look. What day is it? Today is the 23rd. Yes, tomorrow is Christmas Eve, Monday. Okay, so I've got a few, uh, or I've got one uh, emailed in response to some of the stuff I was saying last week. But before I get to that, if if you've been listening to the Montana Gallery podcast, you know that um, I've kind of been spending a lot of time trying to dive into the works of uh, writers like Soren Kierkegaard. I've been reading a little bit of Nietzsche, and I'm wanting to learn more about existentialism. So Kierkegaard is kind of considered one of the early existentialists. He was a Danish uh, Christian guy, and then Nietzsche um, is kind of the the non-Christian existentialist, proto-existentialist. And then the guy who I'm going to talk about today is a guy named Jean-Paul Sartre. And he was a French thinker during the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Really, with all this stuff, I am so new to all of it and, um, and really ignorant of of so much of it. Um, I've heard kind of, you know, like philosophy and, and, and trying to make sense of the world. Um, you can think of it as like a great conversation. Actually, some people call it the great conversation. And it's sort of this conversation that's been happening, you know, through religious texts as far back as, you know, what we find in, in the Torah, in the Bible. And then also, it's that conversation also encompasses thinkers like Plato and Aristotle, Socrates, playwrights like Epicurus, and uh, like Shakespeare. You know, it's it's just kind of diving in, and I feel like I'm just sitting down to the table, and everybody's been talking long before I showed up, and they're talking a language that is pretty foreign to me, and I'm just trying to pick up a little bit of what's being said. And the more I do, the more fun I'm having being at the table. And uh, part of what this podcast for me is, is is a way to kind of put back out into the conversation that's happening at the table and try to find out, am I even, am I even close to understanding what you guys are talking about? So today I'm talking about, uh, uh, John Paul Sartre, and his idea that being precedes essence. Another way of uh, saying it is that existence precedes essence. And this has been pretty fascinating to me because, so for somebody like Plato, from what I understand, Plato 
Um, and those guys had this idea that essence precedes existence. Now, what do we mean by that? So I think to, to kind of put this simply, if you think of something like a hammer, and this is actually, uh, this isn't the exact example that Sartre uses, but this is really close to how he articulates this idea. He uses a, uh, an example of a envelope opener. But I, for me, for some reason, a hammer just is easier for me to, to um, articulate this idea. Take the example of a hammer. The purpose of a hammer or the essence, the, the need, the necessity for a hammer, what, what you would use it for, exists before the existence of any particular hammer. So the hammer could look any number of ways, but as long as it performs the function of the task that you kind of had in your, in your head before the existence of the particular hammer that maybe you as the hammer maker makes, that essence precedes its existence. Plato and those, those guys thought that that was true of man as well. And to me, it kind of makes sense that, that they would have thought that way. Because think of somebody who, during like feudalist systems, and where you're really tied to the thing that you do is the thing that your father did, the thing that your father's father did and his father did, and probably is going to be the thing that your son and grandson also does. Like take the example of being a blacksmith. You know, your dad was probably a blacksmith and you're going to learn that trade. The mindset would have been more of like, this is sort of the way that the world is back then. Even, even if you're like, not a blacksmith, but a king, there's this great poem or great little saying. I want to look it up real quick. I'm going to pause this. Okay, yeah, the saying is, the rich man and his castle, the poor man and his gate, God made them highly, high and lowly and ordered their estate. So that, to me, is like a really nice way of understanding the, the kind of mindset of pre-modern times. Why is the world the way it is? It's, it was God-ordained. But then as you move into more modern times, people start to question that notion and... Um, and really, I mean, now we live, we live in a time where um, it feels as though, and we're told all the time, that you can do anything. Can a man change his stars? That's, that's what, um, in the movie A Knight's Tale, the Heath Ledger character as a young boy asked his dad, can a man change his star, star's father? And the father says yes, and so the boy and, and encourages him, or actually the father what does he do? He gives he gives uh, his son to to a knight. I can't remember exactly. Anyways, to me the the interesting thing is just that question in that movie: Can a man change his stars? And of course, around that time <clears throat> in human history, which would have been like the I don't know maybe the 1100s, 1300s, those questions were starting to maybe become more prevalent. Um, and now we we do live in a time where where we kind of we all believe you can go from rags to riches. It, it's possible. And as a result, there's 
self-help gurus. There's people who tell you that they've got the secret on every corner. You know, just do this thing and you'll be able to succeed. You'll feel better about yourself. Just do X, Y, and Z. So back to what Sartre is saying, though, that being precedes essence. That means that there's not a specific, a set purpose that any one man necessarily has. That a, a man is born and then figures out his purpose in life through his choices that he makes, which is cool and also terrifying. Sartre says that that means that we are condemned to freedom. And, you know, actually, I think that we, we try to like offload that freedom all the time. Um, we look to other people for advice, just what should I do? What should I do next? Because it is a truly terrifying thing to, to realize like, oh, I, I have the, the freedom to choose what I'll do with my life. There's a song by the head and the heart where they say, I wish I was a slave to an age old trade, like riding around on rail cars and working long days. Lord have mercy on my rough and rowdy ways. It's that feeling. I think that's what Sartre means by we are condemned to freedom. Kierkegaard started, uh, I think he, he actually maybe came up with the word angst. It's that like, oh, should I go this way or should I go this way? Sartre uses the example of a of a young man in World War II whose brother had fought and died on the front lines. This young man felt like he, he should go fight in the war. But at the same time, though, if he were to do that, he would leave his mother completely alone to be by herself. And his mother wasn't doing very well. So, you know, what does he do in that situation? Where will he look for the answer to a question like that? Anywhere that he looks can't give him that answer. You know, he can either go to the war and be a small part of something that's big that affects the lives of lots and lots of people, or he can stay and be a huge part in the life of one person. And who's to say what, you know, which is more valuable there? No religious doctrine, no philosophy can ever tell him exactly which is more valuable. So the man, the young man, is left to make it up himself, to make his own choice there. What, one of the interesting things around that, too, is that uh, Sartre points out that a lot of times when we go to somebody to ask advice, this, this young man went to Sartre to ask his advice on, on what to do in the manner. But he kind of knew that Sartre would give him that answer of, I can't give you this answer. You've got to choose. But a lot of times we actually go, we're conflicted on which way to go in a given situation. But we find that we go to certain people kind of knowing the advice that they're likely to give based on 
our past history with, with those people based on what we think they will say to us. So if you're kind of wondering which way to go, a clue that can, something that can kind of help you to understand maybe what you're actually leaning towards is to stop and think about who is it whose advice I'm wanting to hear on this. Who is it that can tell me the thing that I already know, but I myself, I need external validation of, of this choice. Kierkegaard had a friend that came to him and said, do I marry or, or don't I marry? And Kierkegaard said, you know, marry or don't marry. <laughs> I <laughs> Marry or don't marry, either way you'll regret it. Which sounds really sad and pessimistic at first anyways but I think there's something really beautiful and true about that something I wish that I would have understood as I've come to make some pretty hard decisions in my life that either way that you go on things you'll probably one day look back and wonder what it would have been like to have gone down the other path and to kind of fantasize that oh you know, maybe life would have been better had I gone the other way. But knowing that that is our tendency, that that is very likely to happen before you get to that point, actually kind of helps. It, it at least helps you not be surprised by the fact when things get hard in the situation that you've chosen. Okay. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to I've left out about being precedes essence. Why is this important, I guess? As I think of my own life, there's some times where I've been like, I mean, even moving the gallery from Red Lodge to Billings, I remember that choice took me so long to, to realize that it was within my freedom to make that choice. And then when I did, it, it was, I, I felt so alive once I made that choice, but I, I also felt pretty dumb because I was like, man, I could have made that choice at, at any time. And maybe you've had experiences like that as well in your life where once, once you finally made it, you just went, ah, oh, why, why did I wait so long? Sometimes we find ourselves in, in despair. The way that I think of despair is like, it's this state of being where it's just utterly impossible to think of you of your life as different from what it is and i i've been there one of the, another example that's that's funny and and or kind of fun to imagine and think about that sartre uses is he talks about a waiter who thinks he's a waiter who really believes that he is a waiter and everything he does, he is a little too, like, he leans in a little too much to, uh, to take the order. He, he's, he's just over, way overly uh, precise in all of his actions, in all of his kind of waiterly actions, you know. Um, he smiles too emphatically at the, patrons. Um, it's too eager to take their order, that kind of a thing. 
and I'm sure that that you've seen somebody who's who's kind of like that. I can think of a few of a few people that I've seen that it's like they have just taken on and adopted the role. Actually, sometimes artists can be this way, where they're like, "I am an artist." There's there's some kind of need to keep a little bit of ironic distance between yourself and the things that you do, the things that you kind of take on that that seem to be your identity, but really they're just aspects of your identity. They don't encompass the entirety of you. And they're actually things that if you chose, you could change about yourself. I, I try to hold I try to hold my art career in that way or you know this podcast or, or something like that. it's not I enjoy doing all of these things, but my life would not be shattered if if for some reason I um, couldn't do them. I guess I'll just try to summarize real quick this idea from Sartre. Being precedes essence means that we exist and then we take on its our it's up to us as individuals to kind of find our way through this life, to find meaning in this life. That actually makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, getting sidetracked again, but like I've heard it also said like there you know, there may or there may not be mean, meaning of life, but there is, you know, at times meaning in life. And I at least the way that I understand that is I can kind of be okay with I don't know what's going to happen, you know, after this death. I have some faith in certain things, but I don't know that for sure. But I do find that there is meaning in life. I find that when I'm in a great conversation with somebody or when I'm at story night and the whole room is kind of really in the moment, listening to each other, showing love to each other, there's like this palpable energy in the room because everybody is is there and is is wanting to to connect sincerely with one another. I get that like at concerts sometimes, not always, but sometimes. There, there's a, <laughs> a song lyric that just came to mind. Uh, it's by Sturgill Simpson, and it goes. Uh, I've seen Jesus dance with flames in the lake of fire that I was standing in. I met the devil in Seattle. I spent nine years inside the lion's den. I met Buddha yet another time, and he showed me a glowing light within. And yet I swear that God is there every time I glare into the eyes of my best friend. So there is, like, there is this, this moment where you kind of you're connected with somebody else and you go, oh, there is something more going on. <laughs> this podcast, by the way, is just, it's just, I don't ever, I i have all these different ideas that are just jumbling kind of through my head and I'm like, well, I, I think that, okay, generally this is kind of the thing I want to talk about, but I kind of, it, this is all pretty, um, this is all pretty stream of consciousness for me, so maybe occasionally if we'll see how this all goes but maybe occasionally I'll I'll try to be a little more prepared and stuff but but I kind of like stream of consciousness too because and free associating because you you kind of you you make all these links between 
different things that you care about. And the other thing about uh, stream of consciousness and, and uh, free association is that, that you can kind of come to understand a little bit of, of yourself through what you uh, stop talking about. <laughs> so like if a person goes to therapy, uh, especially like uh, to an analyst, the analyst isn't really that interested in in just the, the a person telling them about their day. They're interested in the moment when the person stops talking about something. Like they start to bring up a, a thing and then they go, oh, you know, they try to divert and start talking in a different direction. That's where, that's where the interesting thing can be. So like that, that's a thing to look for in conversation with, with, uh, with your family and friends too, is like, what, you know, what's kind of the thing that we're not talking about that's here, but that we always kind of sidestep. That's where you can come to understand yourself, understand other people a little bit better is to go, no, let's hold on. You, you mentioned this thing, but then, uh, but then diverted this other way. So tell me more about that. That's where you can, you can find some pretty interesting stuff and to really look at your own life in that way of, uh, you look for the times where you make mistakes, where you say one thing when you meant to say another, that like, that's kind of the, the way that you get to know yourself really is to study those things or to study the times where you blow up, where you go, where you like freak out in some way and you go, what the heck was that? That wasn't me. I like, why, why did I, um, you know, for me, uh, I think I told this story on a couple episodes back of like, I, I kind of, uh, got really upset at like this homeless guy and not, not, I, I exaggerated and said that I threw a bag of chips at him. I didn't throw a bag of chips at him, but, but I could feel in myself this annoyance that I usually don't feel towards people. Well, I was displacing that annoyance uh, onto that homeless man. My annoyance actually was directed at some other people. And so as I, you know, thought about, okay, what was, what was all that like just kind of mean, nasty emotion that I had there? What, what was that all about? I realized that it was connected to some other things that that I needed to look at more deeply and be start to become a, a little more honest with myself about this is I'm talking way longer than I intended to. Let's get to this email. Okay, so just so you know, <clears throat> like if you do email in and it's regarding the podcast, I probably will read it on the podcast. Um, so it says, first and foremost, first time listening, like the new name, and I like the fact that you've touched on uh, the loneliness that a lot of us creative people experience. <clears throat> I, for one, have dealt with those feelings long ago in my younger days. I understand you wanting to feel more comfortable with other people. I don't believe that, uh, I don't believe ingratiating, great word by the way, she says uh, parenthetically, uh, yourself with 
each person is necessarily the answer though. Uh, yes, by all means, a little flattery is nice. Uh, be kind, gentle, considerate. Don't put yourself in the position of people pleasing. You will find that <clears throat> it can bring heartache. Uh, I get uncomfortable in certain groups of people also. A lot of us do. I wonder if you may be sensitive to other people's energy and are not yet aware of it. Uh, thank you for being honest, open, and taking the time to share a personal part of yourself. May God continually bless you. Uh, that's a really nice, nice email. Um, thank you so much for, for writing in. I really appreciate it, and uh, I hope that hope that um, there will be new emails each each week, um, kind of in response to maybe what I say in the previous email or previous podcast. So, um, I was I was thinking this morning about this, like, uh, don't put yourself in the position of people pleasing. I think that that I was just thinking about how. I, I don't know that that I anyways can get away from caring about what people think of me and and I say that just to be honest about it and I think that in being honest about it that's what helps me to actually combat uh, that desire to be a people pleaser but I I think that it's really hard to get away from from that tendency in ourselves and for instance is there say on social media, is there a like that you, like if, if you get a hundred likes, is there a like from one person that really matters to you? When I first heard that, that idea, I was like, oh yeah, there is. So I, to myself, have to just be honest about that and realize I do care what, especially like this one person cares about me the care that I have about this one person liking my <laughs> anything that I put out there is kind of is kind of dumb but I kind of have to first start by admitting oh yeah I, my my heart jumps a little bit when they when I see that they've liked you know that they've liked the thing that I put out there in terms of outside of things like social media you know I think that people do do lots of things not realizing that they desire the approval of of someone who like a lot of people are are doing things because they desire the approval of a parent and so that parent might even be long gone and, and even dead and yet the memory of them and what the parent even said to them they've internalized and it continues to affect and influence their decisions long after they're gone, you know, that can be good, but it can also be sometimes destructive. It's just maybe important to maybe look at your actions and you go, okay, who is it that I'm hoping could see me now? For me, who is it that I'm hoping is listening to this podcast, really agreeing with it and maybe, you know, really likes it? That's kind of, that's kind of the interesting thing to become aware of. And I agree with you, don't people please. I just think that it's really hard not to. And the way that, that you maybe combat it is by just being honest that, I, yeah, I am. <laughs> I am trying to do that. Uh, 
I, I'm trying to think of who the thinker is that that said it. I've heard it repeated by some other other philosophers and uh, thinkers that um, we desire the desire of the ones we desire. So actually, the thing that is most valuable to us is not money or or fame, but actually is the desire of the person that we desire. That's that's what we'll do a lot for. So anyways, becoming aware of who is the person that we desire, whose desire we desire, who is that person, just becoming aware of that can kind of help free us sometimes from trying to please them all the time. Um, so you first kind of have to admit to it and then go, well, who is it that I'm trying to please? In a sense, we're all kind of like the kid on the playground who is like chasing the girl and, and pulling the hair of the girl that he's got a crush on. It's obvious to everybody else that he's doing it because he desires her desire, but he's the only one that's actually unaware of it. He thinks, you know, she's this annoying girl. Of course, we all know looking at him. No, you actually, you actually like this girl. I think also in that story last week, you know, I was talking about how I feel like I need to go around and, and uh, I need to develop this skill in myself to when I arrive at a party to, you know, say hi to everybody. For me, that's, I think that's just, that might be advice that is just particular to me. Um, it might not be advice that's good for everyone. But that's something that I want to talk about more on the podcast, that there's a lot of self-help out there that is kind of like, it's, it might be good tips for some people, but it might not be good for all people. So like, for instance, the, the idea of like, just, you know, clean your room, uh, you know, that's Jordan Peterson's kind of one of his 12 rules of life. I think that's fine, but it's, I think, and probably Peterson would, um, maybe agree with this, but that's not, that's not universal advice. That's advice that, you know, is, would, it would ring true and, and help some people. But if a person is like OCD and, and really has, um, like cleans a room to within an inch of its life, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of a, maybe a problem. And actually they maybe need to learn how to live with a little bit of dirtiness. Yeah, it's good food for thought. Thanks for your questions. I, I really, it's cool to, to be able for me to, uh, be able to kind of talk about my life and then have other people comment and go, I think you should think about this, Tyler, you might be missing this thing. And then that gives me more food for thought. So, I don't know. It's it's a pretty neat. This is kind of a neat uh, project in a sense, at least at least for me. And I, I hope that it's interesting for anyone listening to maybe jump in and and uh, kind of uh, I guess sort of be a spectator, a spectator of this person who's trying to get to know himself. 
Um, anyways, I think that's it. I think that's all for this week. And uh, if you have any thoughts or questions, um, any stories you want to share regarding ideas on existentialism or John Paul Sartre or Kierkegaard or Nietzsche or any of those guys, um, that's kind of what I'm interested in these days. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this new year. You know, even with, as I've been studying this uh, idea of being precedes essence, I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of things that, I, that I'm kind of excited about with the gallery. And some of those things are only going to happen if I choose to make them happen. The shows that, that I kind of have rolling through my head that are kind of vaguely there, you know, Tyler, if I, if, if you just sit down and, and, you know, really think through, uh, those ideas and maybe write them out and then, and then say, yep, I'm, I'm going for this. Um, I'm going to bring this into reality. You know, that's, that's the only way that it's going to happen. I think, I think so much with the gallery, I, I, I want to kind of give somebody else, you know, I want somebody else to tell me what to do. I'm, I am condemned to being my own boss every single day. Nobody, nobody's telling me when to show up. Nobody's telling me what the next thing is that I, that I need to do is, um, it's all up to me. And that's terrifying and also pretty awesome. I'm excited for what this uh, next year can bring. Uh, if you've got any any things that you're excited about for this upcoming year, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, Tyler.Murphy at MontanaGallery.net uh, or you can just go on the website MontanaGallery.net and find like the contact us thing and send a message through that. All right. I hope you're all doing well. Be good to yourselves and I'll talk to you next week.